Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. So you think it's hard to play in the NFL or in the NHL? Well, that's nothing compared to performing at the Met or at Carnegie Hall. Today, you'll meet someone who has played in both venues and has appeared with giants in the world of show business and has even performed for three presidents. Her name is Rose Kingsley, and she'll be performing here in Vegas singing songs from Andrew Lloyd Webber. Also on today's show, once again, is your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Today, Scott and I will discuss some of the activities in downtown Las Vegas. And finally, Chef Justin Wells is back again to discuss how home cooking can be easily improved. Moon River, wider than a mile, I'm crossing you in style someday. For those of you that love sports, you all know about Bo Jackson. And what makes Bo Jackson special was he dominated two different sports. It's very unusual. We have someone from the world of music that's done the same thing that I'm fascinated by. Opera great, still is, but she's turned her attention to jazz. And uh, you want to know how good she is? Well, in New York City, she plays the best places, and they've actually called her uh, kind of the female Sinatra. I, I heard her on Seriously Sinatra the first time, and I thought... My gosh, this is uh, this is pretty impressive. So, Rose, thank you for joining us today. That switch, did you take everybody by surprise? Because I know, uh, as I recall reading about, you actually were asked to step on up and do a c- couple of things, and you decided not to do opera, that you did uh, some great American songbook stuff. Hi, yes, and thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited, and, and so it's so wonderful to talk to you. And yes, it did, that did happen. Um, I was in Palm Springs, and a dear friend of mine by the name of Pat Rizzo, who was one of the best horn players this country ever had, um, he played for Sly and the Family Stone and Sinatra. And uh, he had a great uh, trio, and he played at Dickie's of Santa Fe, which is pretty well known for live good jazz. And there were times, of course, he knew me as an opera diva his uncle actually was the music librarian at the metropolitan opera for 40 years and me being at the met we knew i knew his uncle johnny so when i met pat you know there was a there was a great connection so this one evening when he was playing at dickie's he asked if i'd like to sit in and he thought i would do something kind of classical you know right. kind of operatic well i don't know what what uh, what got into me that night? But I did a jazz tune, and it was "Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine." And Pat almost fell off his chair, and he said, "I didn't know you could sing like that." And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, I can do it." You know, when once you're an opera singer, classically trained, you you really can sing a lot of genres. 
So um, at the piano that night was a man by the name of Bob Corwin, who was the son-in-law of the great Johnny Mercer, who played for Johnny for 20 years and who also um, played for uh, Carmen McRae, Peggy Lee. He was the musical director of the Playboy Club in Hollywood for seven years. And, And Bob is a legend. And he, Pat, turned to me and said, you know, you should start working with Bob Corwin. Well, that was the beginning of another new genre. And about uh, uh, oh, I got eight months later, we produced our first CD, which is This Is My Life, which received a five-star rating from uh, Associated Press and Jazz Weekly. And a lot of those tunes uh, you probably have heard on Seriously Sinatra. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. And, and and what you're able to do is, first of all, you were actually when you were a kid, they thought you were going to be a dancer, right? And then you, from there, you decided to well, go I into. Was. Well, I was. I studied ballet, and um, actually, at 14, had a scholarship to American Ballet Theater, and then I went on, and, and that's how I got to the Met. Really, as a dancer, and then ten years later, came back as a diva. The the training, of course, people people that know. I, I have a friend that does some of this, at, you know, at a much lower level. But I look at what she has to do. The training of this is incredible. It's really incredible. I mean, there's so few people that can do it. Uh, I guess you have to really dedicate yourself, right? I mean, there's there's no uh, taking this lightly. You don't just pick up the microphone and go. No, it has to be part of your soul, okay? And uh, there I was on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera with all these great, great, great singers. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of them we don't have today, like Maria You know, I would stand next to Maria Callas. I would stand next to Franco Corelli, and I'd hear these voices, and, you know, they touched my soul. And I I said, I need to do this. (laughs) And that's, and I knew a ballet dancer's career was not that long and I uh, auditioned at Juilliard and I was accepted and then oh a couple months later one of the conductors at the Met said to me what do you I said I'm going to Juilliard and he said what are you going to major in and I said voice and he said really he said I didn't know you sang and I said yeah I do and he said well come sing for me and I did, and he was so impressed that he said, how would you like to take, you know, be trained here at the Met? Because we feel you have some great potential, and you can go to Juilliard and take your other courses. Well, that's what happened. So my training really came, my vocal training, even though I went to Juilliard, I have to say my vocal training came from the Met. We're going to go through this. I mean, what, what I find fascinating, Rose, about your life is you played at the best places. Let's talk. We talk about the Met, <laughs> Carnegie Hall. I know it, 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 this is what you do, and this is, it means that you're at the top of your uh, top of your field. But when you go in those places, does it send us kind of a chill down your throat? Like, my gosh, here I am at this level. Because you know you're in the big time. I mean, it's c- kind of like uh, if you're in horse racing, getting your horse to K- Kentucky Derby or right. car, car racing to Indy. It just seems like that must be the pinnacle. And you know, like, wow. And I've got and I've got to continue this. Yeah. Um, it's very surreal when you're standing on the stage of Carnegie Hall um, and you know who's been there. 
it 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 is. It's and then of course I've been at Steinway Hall, mm-hmm. and that was so amazing to uh, perform there too. But you know what was really surreal was about a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic, I got to record at Capitol Records, and I was in Studio A. And I was using the same microphone that Frank and that King Cole used. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, that, is, that, that, that was, cool. was surreal. <laughs> Back with more from Rose Kingsley, who will be appearing September 19th at 2.30 p.m. with the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. And you can see this at the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center in Las Vegas. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. Place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online. For the very best in Vegas, it's always VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X, which is short for Sports Rock and Tours. And later today on Sports Rock and Tours, you'll meet Hall of Fame Buffalo Bill lineman Joe DeLamalure. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Have you been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma? Did you spend your life working hard in a shipyard or in the railroad industry? Were you a pipe fitter in the oil or gas industry? Or maybe you worked in construction or you're a proud Navy veteran. If you worked in any of these industries, it's a high likelihood you worked around or near asbestos in your lifetime. And if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, you may be entitled to significant compensation. Our attorneys have been fighting hard for years to win our customers the compensation they're entitled to for their pain and suffering. So if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, call right now for help. This commercial is paid for by Airtime Media, and I'm a non-attorney spokesperson. 800-814-5077-800-814-5077-800-814-5077. Again, that's 800-814-5077. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. 
Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Rose Kingsley, who is now wowing audiences from Hollywood to New York with her unique singing style. Fly high and proud, and if you should fall, remember you almost had it all. Well, you know, you talk about Frank Sinatra. You've been with him. You've sung. The, the names that you've been involved with, I mean, from the from the world of opera, Pavarotti and uh, Placido Domingo, and then, you know, from the world of jazz and so forth, you got Sinatra, you've got Vic Damone, you know, Bob oh, Hope. These are, these are big hitters, and... Does that, does that kind of bring out your best? You know, I would think that, it, you know, rather than scare you off, it would be the type when you're there like, okay, let's do it. You know, let's let's really well, uh, bring well, it. It was interesting because Bob Hope uh, invited me to sing at his um, Desert Classic uh, Gala. And um, he heard me in Washington, D.C. when I sang for the... 30th anniversary of Alan Shepard, the first American in space. And he heard me sing and he said, I'd love you to come to be on my show. And uh, I was, I guess, the first opera singer at the time. You know, I was strictly singing classical. And he invited me. And during the, during rehearsal, I was on the show with Victor Moan, um, John Denver, um, of course, Bob and uh, Frank Sinatra. And I was rehearsing, and in walks Vic Damone. And Vic said to um, Bob Holt's agent, Mark Ampneu, who was with me at the time, oh, my goodness, who is this lady? And he said, you know, she's from the Metropolitan Opera. And he said, oh, my God. He goes, her exact words were, she's too beautiful to be an opera singer. (laughs) Anyway. um, Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Damone. And he came up to me, and he said, honey, you don't know how to use a microphone, do you? And I said, no. I said, because we don't use microphones in the opera world. He said, well, let me give you a lesson. He gave me an hour and a half lesson on how to use a microphone. And it was it was really funny. And then the, that night when we were to uh, do the show, I was, to go, I was to open before Vic. So Vic came up to me and he said, honey. And I said, yes. He called me Rosie. Rosie, yeah. I went, yeah. He said, do you mind if I go first? And I said, no, okay. He goes, you know what? I'm not going to follow you. <laughs> and I thought, what a compliment from yep. a man who I idolized all my life, who had the best pipes in the business, really. And Sinatra always said that. And then about a month later, he called me and he said, you know, I've always wanted to do something at Lincoln Center. Can we do a show together? And Vic was really operatically trained. And we did a show at Lincoln Center, and uh, we actually did the duet from Don Giovanni together. And he really, I mean, he knew how to sing. Yeah. And we became good friends, and uh, he respected me, and of course, I always respected him. 
Well, that that is fantastic. You know, I, I was thinking about I, I love that story about you learning to use a microphone because that, that it definitely is true. And with opera, you belt it out. Have you? Did you ever think of going on stage and doing some like a Broadway play? Oh, well, yeah, I did do Phantom on Broadway. Wow, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize I, that. Of course, I, I played the part of an opera singer, so it was, it was there. <laughs> and uh, not too long ago, um, a producer by the name of Joe Paley saw me at Birdland, and he was producing the show Ruthless, a mus- the name of the, the Broadway show was called Ruthless, a musical, and he came up to me and he said to me, you know, I've heard these songs before. I did a tribute to Johnny Mercer. And he said, I've never heard them done like you. He said, because the way you phrase, you are so much like Sinatra. And he said, um, I want you to come and see my show, Ruthless, which was on, off Broadway. And he said, um, I want you to pay attention to the lead. And so we went, we you know, and we enjoyed the show. And he said, you know, I want you to be my lead in the show Ruthless. He said, it's going to London, but then it's going to come back here. And when it comes back to the States, I would love you to be the lead. So I thought that was quite, you know, that yeah. was very exciting. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps, and we're speaking to Rose Kingsley, who will be appearing September 19th at 2.30 p.m. at the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center in Las Vegas. You brought up a great point that I wanted to talk with you about, like you were talking about with Sinatra. So many people try to sing Sinatra, and they try to just sing it like him, and you can't. You just can't, No, right? no. There's only one Frank. Come on. Right. No, but, but 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 what I find interesting is what you do, and I, I, I go around YouTube, and I, I suggest everybody look, uh, look up Rose Kingsley on YouTube. You get a feel for it. But yet, you bring your own style to these things, and that must be really fun, because not only are you a good singer, but you don't just go there and try to sing the song the way it was done by whoever made the hit out of it or whatever, but you put your own phrasing and so forth, and uh, I I would imagine that's something important to you, right, to kind of make it your own. Oh, no, no doubt. As a matter of fact, there are so many songs that people say, well, can you sing this, or do you want to do that, and... And uh, as a matter of fact, my husband, who happens to be here, who is my manager and my agent, and he's amazing, Norm, you can say hello. Hi. Uh, hi, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's a mover and a shaker, no doubt. And uh, he produced my first album and um, actually my second album also at Capitol. But um, he would say to me, oh, you know, I like this song. Could you sing it? And there have been a couple songs that I would say no and he'd say, well, why, you know? And I'd say, because I don't feel it, mm. you know? And there are a lot of songs that I feel, that I don't feel, and I can't, yeah. I can't sing them now. Now, there have been some songs that I have put my own spin that I normally didn't like the song, and then I find out, yeah, I like putting my own spin on it. And then it, 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 it kind of interacts with my soul. Yeah, well, don't you think that's really what all the greats, like you say, Sinatra, you mentioned Nat King Cole before. There's something about it. Yeah, they can they can take a song and they make it their own, and consequently, it's a new spin on, on a song that's familiar. Because a lot of people do. I, that's what I find interesting, you know, this great American songbook. I would imagine you must love that because those songs are great, and they're kind of open to interpretation, and that's what you do. 
definitely, definitely. As a matter of fact, the you know we're we're pretty close with the Mercer family and um, uh, Johnny's grandson and. Uh, Johnny's daughter, Mandy, who was up until a couple months ago, was alive, and she she wrote me a beautiful letter, and she said, what you do to my father's music, my father would have loved. Um, and it was quite a compliment, and uh, I can send you the letter. And um, they said, it's amazing. He would have loved, Johnny would have loved what you've done with his lyrics. We'll hear more from Rose Kingsley in a moment. Don't forget to follow Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hi, this is Andy Martello, Las Vegas entertainer, award-winning author, voice of the Las Vegas Aviators, and generally tired human being. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and we are chatting with Rose Kingsley, who, after her debut at the Birdland Jazz Club in New York City, was dubbed by New York music critics as the female Sinatra. You're gonna love me like nobody's loved me. Come rain or come shine. High as the mountain and deep as a river, come rain or come shine. Okay, and Mercer was his stuff was so great. You know, it's like the Gershwin stuff and what have you. You, you can take it all. They're so well written and so forth. And it's the phrasing and the way you take that and you kind of make it your own, like we've been talking about. That really makes it special for people. I mean, it, it really is. Are you enjoying? singing jazz as much as you did opera? Definitely. And and for that reason, you know, I mean, opera will always be a part of me and it's part of my soul. But in opera, you have to sing exactly the way the composer wrote it. You know, if there's an eighth note, you can't sing a half note. If there's a half note, you can't sing a whole note. But in what I'm doing now is, hey, you know what? I can do what I want with this. You know, I get a certain feeling, I, and I want to hold that note a little longer. I can do that, you know, and that's so, it's so important to me, and it's so, it's so exciting, because there's my drama. You know, if somebody said to me not too long ago, you know, Rose, you're a singer, but you know what you really are? You're an actress who sings. Yeah, because there is that, exactly, and I, I people will love what you do with this type of thing, but but that training, getting back to that, you know, going back to Juilliard and all that stuff, that allows you to be able to do all these things, right? Because basically your voice is an instrument, as I understand it. Oh, absolutely. That's right, and, and I'm, I've also been a professor of voice. I've taught at Auburn and Chapman University and Cal State. And I would tell my students that the voice is really, there are, there are no three or four parts to the voice. 
the voice from the bottom to the top is one voice. And when you learn to use that one voice correctly, which is with total support and, and, and a totally open throat, you can do anything. And, and that's what I remember the first time I heard Vic Damone. I said, you know, Vic, you are really, you've been trained correctly. And he goes, well, Roe is the secret is I took opera lessons. I said, ah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah. I knew that. But, you know, you, your parents did a great job in terms of giving you confidence. I know you grew up as an only child, and uh, right. <laughs> your, your dad was a lawyer, right? So he, he kind of wanted you to be a lawyer, but that just wasn't where your heart was. No, it really wasn't. But I remember humoring him, you know, because when I was 9, 10 years old, he would take me into the courtroom. He'd say, now I want you to listen to this case, you know. And I'd sit there and i go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd say, you know, we're going to go to law school. And i go, yeah, uh-huh. And then when I had, you know, my scholarship to American Ballet Theater at 14, that's when he kind of got the got the message that Rose yeah. wasn't going to law school. <laughs> yeah. But um, he did say two things. He said, well, all right, he goes, but I want you to at least get a degree, and I want you to do two things. <laughs> I want you to take typing and shorthand. <laughs> <laughs> Just always having a backup, right? <laughs> exactly. Always be a legal secretary. I went, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know. But, you know, when I look back, seriously, I think had I been an attorney, I would have loved to have been a criminal attorney because, you know what, in the courtroom, you have to be a good actress. Yeah, that's exactly. Yep, yep. (laughs) I was thinking that. That's exactly right. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps, and we're speaking to Rose Kingsley, who will be appearing September 19th at 2.30 p.m. at the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center in Las Vegas. And you might have had a big political career because you hang around with presidents. I mean, you performed in front of three of them, as I understand, right? H.W., uh, yeah. Clinton, and one other one, too. And I can't remember which one. President but. Ford. Ford. I President Ford. President yeah. Ford. And uh, I did a special event for um, uh, George H.W. Bush, who was a lovely man. He was so sweet. And uh, and then I did a big fundraiser for, um, you know... William in 1992 <laughs> in Houston at the um, at Symphony Hall, and I raised him 1.2 million that night. That's what the tickets brought in. Wow! So <laughs> I was proud of that. And no, I didn't get to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> I got what I did get is he gave me a little gold saxophone. Nice. Well, coming from a sa- fellow sax player, you know <laughs> that's nice. Uh, <laughs> it's too bad you should you should have insisted on the uh, the Lincoln bedroom though. That would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure that would have gone over well. Probably with Bill, it might have gone over well. Not with Hillary, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's no, talk but, about. You know, I have to tell you one thing. When you meet. When you meet the president of the United States, and I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, it's like meeting God. Yeah. It really is. You know, you've got it, it, it's it's there there again. It's that surreal experience that you know you're meeting the leader of the free world, and it's like, uh, yeah, you're kind of left. You're like you're kind yeah. of left speechless. You yeah. Know. Let's talk about this great event that you've got coming up. It's going to be on Sunday, September 19th. So we're almost there at 2.30 in the afternoon. The music right. of Andrew Lloyd Webber. And boy, uh, as someone that we, we were talking about before with the dramatic and so forth, doing Webber must be exciting for you, right? That's just almost at the level of uh, opera, you know? 
was kind of exciting. Oh, well, it is because I mean he he wrote so many great 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 musicals and great music. Um, and and FYI, he um, took a couple of notes from some prominent uh, composer named Puccini. So he knew where to borrow a lot of good music from, um, but the, but the the the, uh, the event we're doing, which we've done at the Hamptons in New York, we did it at Feinstein's in New York, we did it in Atlantic City, we did it in Portland, uh, we did it in Chicago, uh, Palm Desert. We do and you know um, an evening or afternoon in this case of Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we do songs from. Jesus Christ Superstar, um, Evita, Cats, uh, Sunset Boulevard, and the second half, we do actually quite, well, about seven or eight tunes from The Phantom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and we played Raul, we played Christine, we played The Phantom, and people really love it because they know, you know, they wait for it. They know these songs, and uh, it's a and not only that, but I have my colleague from the Metropolitan Opera coming, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Glassman, who is a phenomenal singer and who has sung this music, and my conductor from the Metropolitan Opera, Gregory Bookhalter, is coming out to be our musical director. So it's going to be a great, great, great show. Yeah, and, 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 I mean, and it's in a I great think spot. You were here. I wish you were here to hear it. <laughs> well, let's say, first of all, it's a great place. Uh, the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center. It's a wonderful spot to go. You know, it's not one of the showrooms in, in Vegas. It's actually better for that. you got to find out to get out there. It's at 1771 Inner Circle Drive in Las Vegas, but it's easy to find. And uh, have you ever played out there before, Rose? It's a great spot. Yes, yes I have. As a matter of fact, I now have a residency up until next spring of 22 that I will be doing a show every other month because I love the theater. It seats 300 people. It's intimate. And I can be with the people, which I love to do. And, uh, yes, we are working on getting me on the strip in another, in a, in a similar situation so that I am in an intimate, um, yeah. you know, and an intimate uh, place to be with people. And uh, so we're working on that, too. More with Rose Kingsley, who's performed on major opera stages, including the Metropolitan Opera and the New York Grand Opera, in just a moment. Make sure to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows Vegas Never Sleeps in most markets. You can also go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
e-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Rose Kingsley, who has performed with such greats as Luciano Pavarotti, Placido Domingo, Bob Hope, Frank Sinatra, and Carol Channing. So how do people get tickets to this? Okay, they can get tickets uh, They can uh, three ways. They can go on show tickets. For you dot com, mm-hmm. and they can also go on rosekingsley.com or they can phone in at seven six zero six three six zero 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 eight. And you have a CD, a Divas tribute to Johnny Mercer, and you sing songs like that old Black Magic and Moon <laughs> River. Great stuff, man! <laughs> I just love it. So people, you can't go wrong. Thank you so much for being with us today. I really oh, appreciate thank it. You. Chef Justin Wells of La Petite Maison is here again today to talk about how, thanks to the Food Network and some of the new available kitchen equipment, the home cook can easily kick up their game. And I find that, that people, you know, we've been at it almost 10 years, and I find that the the general public in their understanding and appreciation of food has come so far in that amount of time. The Food Network has really sort of opened people's eyes to like food in general. And whether it's good or bad, I think that once people start kind of thinking about food and trying harder at home, the average home cook nowadays is so much better than they ever were before because you have access to better ingredients. You know, you go to Top Foods and, like, that place is stacked with stuff that a decade ago was not there. You know, high-end cuts of beef and and interesting vegetables and a lot more seasonality. So when people come in, I'm finding the average person that I chat with knows so much more about food that it's pretty surprising. So it kind of keeps us on our toes in the sense of they're eating out. I need to keep them captivated versus kind of serving stuff that the average person at home is already comfortable with. Well, that's what they go through in these Las Vegas hotels, some of the bigger ones where there's 20, 25 restaurants, good restaurants within the facility, and they're kind of competing against each other. And yet you manage in a very small community, but people are willing to make that drive and plan their uh, holidays around this because, quite frankly, it's just so good. So that kind of – you have to kind of be self-motivated, right? I mean because you don't have a problem. You dominate the town, but there's so much more out there beyond the limits. Of course. And we've always thought of ourselves on a statewide or national level. I mean, when we, when we look at trends or we look at – in that competition is not the right word, but, I mean, we, we kind of try to look outside of our hometown. We're going to be, over the next few weeks and months, going through some tips to help the home, uh, the home chef. And I know talking to Zoe, this doesn't just stop at the restaurant door. You cook like this at home. Do you feel comfortable that you can kick up people's games? I mean, they're not, they're not going to dedicate their lives to it the way you did, but at the same time – you can make what they do a whole bunch better? 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, small tips, I think, go a long way. And a lot of the most classic stuff, just, you know, understanding seasoning, understanding searing meats correctly, understanding what braising really means. I mean, I think a lot of it is you take the most rudimentary techniques and add those into people's everyday cooking lives, and it makes a dramatic difference. You know, I know that my mom, being an all-American cook, like I've showed her some things that has really elevated her cooking a lot. Simply, you know, using real stock. I mean, making stock from a chicken and using that real stock versus the watery stuff you buy from the store. I mean, that simple thing alone will elevate the average cooks food significantly, in my opinion. And I think a lot of this is with the equipment that's involved and so forth. And, you know, going back to the restaurant, I try to think of some things that you can just kind of bring in. Now, for example, in your restaurant, just something like the music. I always, whenever I've been in there, I always think to myself, my God, this music is not only stuff I like, but it really fits what I'm eating, if that makes sense. You put a lot of time into it, right? In other words, you didn't just sign up for the restaurant Pandora station. No, no, we've curated that over the years, and and we started out with some stuff that we love, and um, and some of the music that we were married, and you know, just some stuff that's whimsical. And Zoe went to FSU for clarinet, and she's a classic uh, musician, and so we we have varying tastes in what we like, and so it was kind of a marriage of that, and and I think it also we we can tune it a little bit based upon how busy we are. You know, if it's really busy and it's a Friday night and everybody's kind of having fun, it's nice to put on something a little bit jazzier and a little bit brighter and a little bit more exciting, you know, some Rat Pack feel versus on a Wednesday night, it's rainy, people are more casual, they're reading a book, or it's a lot more relaxed. It's nice to put on something that's maybe a little more ballad, a little bit softer, you know, has a little bit more of a relaxed feel. And so I think being able to cater to that versus having the same 40 songs sort of on rotation makes a difference. And you know, we kind of always joke there's songs like, you know, Baby, It's Cold Outside, and that'll turn on in the middle of, like, uh, August and it's sort of hilarious to you know so we like oh we better pull that song off the playlist for a little while. Thanks Justin. Now let's turn to Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, also known as Your Vegas Insider. As we review the city's comeback efforts, Scott says downtown is one place that's adjusted well. You mentioned the circa and we know that's been a huge success. How about downtown as a whole? I imagine that's drawn a lot of people there. Is downtown, it seems like they got through this pandemic about as well as anybody did. Yeah, and I take full responsibility for the success of downtown. I worked at Fremont Street Experience. I did their marketing. I spent six years priming the pump. And my big selling point was value. And I knew that, you know, people are still, when they see prices, I shared some prices of some drinks at the Flamingo Bull the other day, just a simple photo. Some of these drinks were $30, $40, $50 for for a plastic cup of beer, liquor, whatever. And that's been pretty evident to me over the last few years that you could do that. That's an experience, that's a pool party. If you want to go downtown and drink all night for that $40, go to go do it on Fremont Street. Um, Circa bridged the gap between the Strip and that old school kind of grinder perception of these dirty, you know, the, they, they're still very old school places downtown, but the perception overall is that it's moving somewhere in between that CD kind of vibe that people didn't, a lot of people, did, they used to say, People that I know personally said I would never go downtown are now saying that's kind of my go-to hang now because I'm not rich. I want to go hang out. There's a street party, live entertainment's back, the canopy, and now you got the Circa. And Derek Stevens' uh, casinos are just, they've got a great vibe. There's good value, and the table minimums are low. People that like to gamble, there's just cheap food, and there's cheap 
it, that is, uh, that has been building. I helped raise awareness through social media at Fremont Street Experience. Derek Stevens was doing his thing. Uh, the now departed Tony Shea was was contributing in a big way to Fremont East, the, the non-tourist part of downtown. And everybody kind of, there have been things that have kind of lifted all the boats. And uh, I, yeah, the Mob Museum and Neon mu- Museum and, you know, Oscars uh, at the plaza. There's just these little pockets, more steak, good steakhouses per square mile than the Strip. The Strip has great restaurants, but pretty much every steakhouse downtown is like half the price, same quality. Why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you do that? So I, you know, I've always said, people ask like, what do you like more downtown or the Strip? And I said, I love them both. And they're very different experiences. It's not better or worse. I go downtown because I'm, I don't have a lot of money. Uh, so I like that experience. And I gamble there almost 100% because I like the value. And I drink there because I'd rather pay $9 for a drink than 16 That's just a personal preference. But very different experiences. You're not going to find a Cirque show downtown. But you're not going to find, you know, you're not going to find surly crap stealers who've been in the industry for 40 years on the, in a lot of places on the Strip. You go into one of these places downtown, they will tell you much better stories. That's part of the experience for me. It's like, I want that guy who's grizzled and he has no time for your BS and he's not putting up with any BS. Like, I want somebody with character who will take time to help me with a game, who will give me the inside scoop on who's doing what and... Uh, so two very different experiences, but downtown is kind of coming into its own, and um, there there are challenges there too, uh, because it draws a more coarse customer sometimes, a, a more problematic customer. Uh, so, but they've cracked down on security, and they're they're very conscious of that aspect. Is that it draws a value-seeking customer, and uh, here's the here's my top tip for downtown. So. The temptation is, even though they're an expensive drink, that you can go into a gift shop and get cans of beer or bottled liquor. The, the people actually get ticketed because you're not allowed to drink packaged liquor within a thousand feet of that establishment. So you need to take that back to your room. You can't drink it on the street. Uh, it's not always enforced, but when it is, those tickets are pricey. So uh, a lot of people will go down there, they'll see the $12 slushy drink and they'll see the $2 beer. They're like, I'm just going to go get that can of beer. That is against the law on Fremont Street. Thank you, Scott. And don't forget to visit Scott's site, vitalvegas.com. It's the best way to keep up with all the activities in and around Las Vegas. Coming up next is Sports Rockin' Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rockin' Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Today, this is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Las Vegas, here we go!